Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning and episode. Okay. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to episode 54 of the Jaguar Report podcast. It is very early in the morning, but my name is Gus Logan. I'm joined by my co host, John Shipley, to break down Texans Jaguars in week three. How's your week going, John? Man, two episodes in three days. I mean, <laughs> look at us making content. You love the old pat on the back. That's, uh, <laughs> if I had three hands, I'd be doing three pats on the back. <laughs> Ignore the fact that it should have been two and four days, and I completely messed up our schedule this week. But nonetheless, here we are, Gus. Episode 54. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Episode 50 are, 54. Here we are. You okay? I can't really talk. <laughs> it's okay this isn't a talking medium um, <laughs> really? so we went over the chiefs obviously wednesday now houston texans they are it's like if andy reed owns you know doug peterson the texans own the <laughs> like they're their boogeyman which is insane because over the last two years i'd say They've been the worst team in football like the last like three like since the Deshaun Watson stopped playing for them basically, mm-hmm. and they've still think, owned the Jags. <laughs> I also think it's funny because I think if you ask any Jags fan, like the Titans and the Colts would be a bigger rival. They would consider those teams to be a bigger rival, but then it's the Texans who have won five or six straight games in Jacksonville. I think what was it? Trevor Lawrence said the other day he was talking to Josh Allen, and he was like, "Yeah, Josh has only beat the Texans once." He's <laughs> like, been here. This was fifth year here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wild. That's crazy because like it, it's not like you're like say you're the Commanders and you keep losing to the Cowboys. I get that, you know, like they're, they're the Cowboys, the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> it's David Coley and Lovey Smith. Yeah, that was a big thing I was looking at for this year. Was like. This season will definitely get judged more than anything else based on like how the Jaguars do in the postseason, but whether or not they're able to like have a pretty good record in within their division and kind of improve against these three teams is like would be a big change under Doug Peterson. So we'll see if they can go to two and zero in the division in week three. Uh, we can start on the offensive side of the ball. I mean. The Texans have just been decimated on injuries on both sides of the ball. Um, but on defense, they will be without star cornerback Derek Stingley Jr., who got a big red zone interception on Lawrence last season. Uh, he suffered a hamstring injury in practice this week. And then middle linebacker Denzel Perryman, who is a big free agent pickup for them, has not practiced through Wednesday and Thursday of this week. That's and a sad sentence. I think he's doubtful for Sunday. Um, and then there's also Jimmy Ward is coming back. He should be able to play after missing last week, but to very Thomas, they're a, another one of the cornerbacks also hasn't practiced Wednesday and Thursday. So like one more, the, sec- the secondary, what was that? One more. Yeah. One more. Okay. You, <laughs> I, I was hey. going to go into the spiel. So you, you got it. My bad. Jalen Petra or however the hell oh, you say yeah. his name. 
But literally every name you recognize in the secondary, <laughs> it's hurt. That's what I was about to say. It's like the Texan secondary is like not horrific, but then like once you lose every no- noticeable name, then it's yeah. like, okay. Because it was funny because the news of Derek Stigley popped up and then immediately after the same guy who reported it was like, Shaquille Griffin is expected to play in Derek Stingley's place. So Jack's Twitter kind of ran away with that one. Um, yeah, Shaq's, Shaq's only two memorable plays last year were two deep completions that he allowed. So it'll be interesting to see like if Trevor Lawrence and the offense are able to attack not just Griffin, but like the entire per, uh, defensive back unit, I guess. Yeah. Of the, Texans, but especially like on the outside, because we saw, saw the Jaguars succeed with that in week one. And granted, Indianapolis had two undrafted players starting at outside corner, but like they didn't really win outside a lot against the Chiefs. So I think we could see that again this week against the Texans with their decimated secondary. Yeah. And I, I mean, that it, it, it seems like like Doug Peterson kind of like honestly like gave. Maybe not gave away because maybe it should have always been obvious, but the Jaguar strategy versus like man and zone teams. When he was talking about Christian Kirk last week, it was basically like, yeah, in week one we played a zone team. We're not going <laughs> to throw it to the slot, and, <laughs> you know. With we're playing the Chiefs, a pressure team with man coverage, you know, Kirk gets fed fourteen targets. So I think that kind of shows you, you know, if they're playing a zone team, they're probably going to target the outside guys, you know, a bit more than inside. And they're playing, you know, a man team, and that's the week they could probably see Christian Kirk go off. Now, according to uh, Pro Football Solutions, the Texans are 25th in usage percentage rank in man coverage and 14th in zone coverage. So, you know, they're, they're a zone team, you know, I mean, more or less. I mean, the, the Miko comes from, you know, San Francisco, which is like a bastardized child of the See, like the Dan, oh, I'm going to say the Dan Quinn sale defense. I'm not going to give <laughs> Gus Bradley. No, no, come, come on, the Dan come on. Quinn style defense. That's absurd. That's right. That's right. The Dan Quinn defense. No, yeah. All these years later, now you're starting to call it that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. That's exactly right. I mean, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give that that honor. But I mean, it, it was interesting yesterday. You listen to Press Taylor, and he basically. Without saying this is the same defense that the Colts run, that the Seahawks have always run, more or less said that, you know? <laughs> yeah, he, he, I, I feel like he did kind of say it because he was like, yeah, it's kind of similar to the Colts in week one where it's like they kind of just line up and play. like <laughs> Exactly. And he, <laughs> and he was like, Shaq Griffin, you know, cut his teeth in this defense. And that was a different team, a different coaching staff, like three, four, five years ago, whenever Shaq Griffin was in Seattle. So right. it, it, def- it definitely seems like the Jaguars are anticipating for a Gus Bradley style, mm-hmm. you know, zone defense where you more or less see the same thing every play. Because, I mean, you watch San Francisco, like, defense now, and, of course, you know, they, they throw some exotic blitzes on third downs and stuff, but they mostly – they line up the same way, you know, first and second down. And, you know, they put their defensive front that ends in a wide nine. They tell them to wreak havoc. And – you know, you can do that when you have an amazing defensive line. And I think, you know, you look at some of the Texans, you know, efficiency numbers on defense this year. The Texans, you know, overall and EPA play per play on defense are 26th, you know, uh, against the pass, they're 22nd, and against the run, they're 30th. So you're kind of seeing how it's like, in my opinion, difficult to run that scheme without the horses even if there are some, you know, individual players who are impressive, most of them injured, of course. Yeah. But it, it definitely feels like the Jaguars view this as a defense that they're comfortable with. Like, it, it, I think press even – it was either press or Doug was like, yeah, this is a defense we see a lot. And I'm like, you don't you don't play the 49ers coaching staff. But <laughs> it, it, in a way, it makes sense, and it does seem like, like that's the looks they're kind of expecting to get. Now, I know when – like I tweeted yesterday that the Texans were his own defense, and somebody was like, "They're still having you know Stingley play zone, and well, yeah, you know <laughs> every defense like it, any team he'd on, he'd be playing zone, but just because it's zone doesn't mean it's the Tampa two every single down that Lovey Smith did, which Trevor Lawrence for all of his uh, you know feats and accomplishments, you know he, he, you know when you go back and review the KC game, a few missed throws here and there, but still you know pretty impressive, still some big time you know throws and some yeah. misses should be caught, so. Even, you know, for as advanced as he is, 
if Lovie Smith was coaching this game, I'd still say advantage Lovie Smith. He could not get past that cover two defense. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the red zone because I felt like at least they would get into Texan territory like pretty easily. I felt like like he would just be able to like snap these zingers to like Marvin Jones and Zay Jones in between the linebackers and the safeties. But then like as soon as they got into like a condensed area of the field, like they kind of ran into problems. And so that'll definitely be something to look for. It's just like red zone success in general after the Jags went three for three in week one and 0 for three in week two. If you still have the sports info page pulled up, what's like their one high covered shell versus two high look like? Let me let me look. Okay, so they are eighth percent and usage rank and one high and twenty first and two high. Yeah. But, so I was curious if D'Amico Ryan's because this is like his first opportunity to call a defense like entirely in his own vision. Yeah. I was, I was curious. Like, obviously, there's going to be a lot of influence from his time in San Francisco. But I didn't know if he was going to like kind of like do his own thing, I guess, and uh, like switch it up. But I think like his own thing is kind of like those third down uh, pressure packages that you mentioned earlier. Because again, on like first and second downs, it's like it feels very San Francisco y what the Texans are doing under Ryan's. Yeah, 100%. And when I say like their, rank, their ranking in terms of usage, I now look at it in. That's probably a bit flawed. You know, it's not flawed, but they're pretty much 50-50, guys. They're 54 snaps in one high, 53 snaps in two high. So, you know, they're kind of you – know, so they play more run one high than most teams do, but they're also more balanced, I think, is what you could, you know, glean from that than other teams. I mean, you go, you go back and look at the Jags, like week six game against them last year, or week five, whenever it was, that 13-6 to six debacle where – Davis Mills won despite throwing 140 yards and 24 passes. And <laughs> the Jaguars, like, they had 22 first downs. They had 422 total yards, you know, yeah. almost almost 6.0 yards per play, you know, over 100 yards rushing. But they were 0 for 3 in the red zone, you know, like you mm-hmm. mentioned. And that's what lost in the Chiefs game, too. So, it, 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 it's weird because against the Colts, they were the exact opposite. You know, they were better in the red zone than they were in between the 20s. So I, I can confidently say I have no idea what the Jaguars. <laughs> yeah, it's like which like, version are we getting this week? Yeah, so, you know, I, that that's why I'm not – you know, I see a lot of people talking about, you know, Texans injuries and everything like that and how this should be a get-right game. I don't, it, to me, it depends on what red zone offense shows up. If it's the red zone offense from the Chiefs game, I think this is a very losable game. Yeah, I saw a stat that Trevor Lawrence has never covered as a home favorite. So mm-hmm. nine and a half points or nine points or whatever it is this week against the Texans is seems like a lot. Yeah, it it, it definitely does. And you know, back back to your credit about you know the Miko, the Texans are blitzing on twenty six percent of their plays. They have a twenty nine percent success rate, which is fifth best in the NFL when they blitz. Twenty, they are ranked twenty eighth in success rank on four-man rushes. So, basically, if they're not blitzing, they're not really getting home, which is interesting. I think I saw somebody tweet yesterday. I, I, I don't have to tweet up, so I can't credit them. I apologize. But, you know, about, like, teams allowing quick pressures. And the Jaguars, are, it, it's basically, like, when they're getting blitzed, they're allowing pressures. And mm-hmm. when they're not, you know, they're basically able to keep them clean. So, I'm interested to see how they handle Houston's blitzes because it does seem like that's a big thing. It's I don't know if it's communication or you know or what it is. It, it just seems like like they're struggling with you know blitz pickups right now, and maybe that could be recency bias because Spags is like you know like from the Wink Martindale like school of blitzing. Yeah, he's a god. Yeah, so it it I don't know. It's it's interesting. So I to me the big deal is obviously the red zone, and then we mentioned him earlier. You know the Jaguars outside receivers against Shaq Griffin. You know namely. Calvin really against Shaq Griffin. It'd be I'm the almost, most. All right, go ahead. It'd be the most Jaguars thing ever for Shaq Griffin to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost like sad about the Stingley injury because I was like looking forward to just like seeing Ridley go up against him, especially like, or I mean, not especially, but like as you said, like he does play in a zone heavy system or not a man heavy system at least. It's not so. It's not like we would have gone like an awesome show like we got like during training camp of just like one-on-one Tyson Campbell versus Calvin Ridley but at the same time it would have been like a pretty solid test for Ridley because it would have been 
don't know. Legereus Sneed is pretty good. But it, Stingley still probably would have been, like, the best cornerback he's gone up against so far this season. Uh, so now it's like there's not there's not really anything getting him Ridley's way from a big performance. So if, if he doesn't have a big game this week, that's – yeah, like, I wouldn't say a red flag, but that's definitely a uh, raised yeah. eyebrow. It's a little bit of, like, a warning bell. A beige flag, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Like, last week, though, he only had two catches, but he also had eight targets and, like – had like mate like maybe you could argue that he should have been utilized even more but like i feel like he was like utilized enough and like there was a couple like he got held on like the one third down slant that was a no call and like a couple drops so i like that kind of like bad game doesn't make me worry about like his overall season but like if he has a bad game against this defense then and that makes it two bad games in a row then maybe i start to worry well we talked about it earlier in the week but i mean Something that doesn't show up like on the stat sheet. He drew two pass interferences too, you know, on deep balls where Kansas City just couldn't run with him. I I would just consistently like try throwing deep against, you know, Shaq Griffin and try to force him, you know, to, you know, cause a penalty or something along those lines. So I I agree with you. I think it's a really weak, the big injury to watch for Jacksonville this week is that receiver too, though. You know, Mm. Zay Jones hasn't practiced this week with a knee injury, hasn't exactly lit things up. This year, he was zero for six on targets against the Chiefs. So he's five catches on 13 targets for 55 yards and a touchdown so far this year. It's not the best efficiency, but it's still a loss, obviously, if he doesn't play. Just, I mean, the the normal chemistry that Trevor Lawrence and him have, they're, you know, kind of the trust that Trevor obviously has with him. If he can't play, you know, shocking to apparently many reply guys on Twitter, the Mm -hmm. the replacement won't be Parker Washington but it will be Tim Jones. How much do you think Zay's status will kind of, especially since it seems like an outside receiver week, you know, Zay is normally there. They're kind of bread and butter in the past against zone defenses, just sitting in zones, you know, more or less. How do you think that kind of impacts things? I mean, I think press already talked about maybe more 12 and 13 personnel. He also mentioned Jamal Agnew more in offense. So we'll, yeah, yeah. So we shall see. I think you kind of answer right there. There will be like a couple different answers. Like Tim Jones will be the most frequent answer or the most frequent replacement for Zay Jones this week, assuming that Zay d- doesn't go. But like they'll have Agnew play plenty of snaps, I'm sure. It would be cool to see because they've done like some 12 and 13 personnel stuff, but maybe it just hasn't worked as well as I thought or hoped it would. But I also like I thought that they haven't been using it like. They've been using it a little bit less than I expected, so maybe they ramp it up a little bit more here in week three. But at the end of the day, it's just like kind of replacing snaps, and I don't think that like Zay's targets per game will like go directly to one guy or anything, or even like two guys. I think it'll just be more of a big game for Ridley and for Kirk probably, because even if he does match up better against man teams, like with Zay being out, then. <clears throat> Like, wouldn't would be surprised by a good Ridley game. Um, but, like, the two non-Ridley players I'll be, like, watching most are Evan Engram because of, like, what you said on our Wednesday podcast. Like, his effort has been so outstanding so far, and, like, he clearly deserves more targets. Not that yeah. anyone on the team, like, deserves less targets, but he clearly deserves more. Give him the ball more. Yeah. And then Tank Bigsby because, like, he had, had like, Two welcome to the league moments in week one. And then I don't know if like Jaguars coaches like just didn't trust him in such a big moment in week two when like it seemed like everyone on the team was pressing for the win. Uh, But he had like about the same snap share in week two, just went from seven touches to zero. So I like we saw in week one when after Bigsby had one of the bad turnovers, the coaches had him run in for run three straight plays. So that was – I think that was, like, a here, like, rookie, let's, let's give you some confidence back. So I feel like this week in general is, like, here, rookie, like, let's give you some confidence back. Like, I could see Tank Bigsby getting 10-plus carries if – assuming the game goes the way that we expect it to with all the Texans injuries. Yeah, I mean, they – the Jaguars, like, their running backs, I think, ran it just 13 times against the Chiefs. You know, 12 for ETN, one for Dearness Johnson. 
And, you know, you go back to the Colts game and it was, you know, 18 carries for ETN, seven for Bigsby, one for Johnson. So they, they ran it significantly more with the running backs in week one and week two. And you kind of saw, like, if the carries get scaled back, it will be Bigsby, whose numbers really get scaled back. I I think the running game is probably, like, th- if they can't get the running game going this week, I think that that's what would should set off every alarm, every bell and whistle and every, everything that could possibly go on and, you know, to signify, okay, this is bad. I mean, the Texans rush defense, it, it's it's not good. You know, they're consistently giving up big players on the ground. You know, I said they were 30th in rushing EPA. They're, you know, 20th in rushing success rate, which is obviously a little better, but it's still like they're, they're still, you know, not a top half of the team, you know, rush defense from an efficiency you know, metric. Obviously, Anthony Richardson was able to get some quarterback runs against them. I I feel like if this isn't the week for Travis Etienne, and they have, you know, running game issues. And so far they have, you know, only six of his 30 carries have gone for more than five yards this year. All uh, five of them came in week one, and one of them was like a nine-yard carry against the Chiefs in week two. So there's been like no running room, you know, for him to – to the offensive line's credit, you know, you go back and watch the Chiefs game, and there is a missed hole here or there from ETN still running a bit Stevie Wonder at times. But <laughs> I, I I, think this has to be the week where you get him going, especially. Like, he, honestly, if, if they don't if, – if I'm the coach of staff, I'm, you shouldn't ever go into a game thinking there's something carries a guy needs. But I think this is the week Travis ETN needs, you know, 18 to 20 carries. And if I'm the coach of staff, like – Tank, we'll get back to you next week. Like <laughs> you know, like like it, it just it doesn't seem like the Texans their defense, especially hobbled, is built to stop a guy like you know ETN who can really get the edge and get angles on you. So that that's what I'm interested in. And yeah, I think a big thing people forget, you know, is with Zay Jones is what he does in the running game. You know, a lot of the crack toss stuff, you know, he is like the guy setting the edge. So Tim Jones has always been a great blocker. I'm interested to see what he does there, but I'm also interested to see if Zay doesn't play, you know, how that impacts some of the stuff they do schematically in the running game. True. Good point. Yeah. I, part of the tank thing was that like, I feel like his main role that he was drafted for was like short yardage and goal line. Oh yeah. But another one is like just chew clock because like some teams like we saw with the chargers last year have like a difficult time just like, um, keeping a lead and like just like chewing the clock out, and so like having a solid bruising running back like actually kind of goes a long way to be able to just finish out and close out games. So that was kind of what like where I was thinking was like if this game goes how we expect, and like the Jags are up ten in the second half, then like just trying to get the rookie going a little bit. Would you rather have on a drive one fifty yard gain or ten five yard gains? Ten five yard gains. I agree. That's efficiency right there. Yeah, I agree. Eat up the clock. Eat up the clock. That's, yeah, that's it, it, Pop Warner one hundred and one, man. <laughs> <laughs> let's get this, let's get this long scoring drive going, man. I well, also, like, if you do the if you do all the short gains and like the the deep game will like open up for you yeah. eventually. Yeah. Which is what I think the Jaguars probably struggled with last week. Like they were going for so many big plays and like they weren't getting any of those like short chunk yards plays to stay on the field. It's it, it, it's it's something else. And last thing we'll talk about for the offense, Anton versus Will Anderson, I think is like the matchup to watch this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, Will Anderson, you know, eight pressures, three quarterback hits through two games. Like he's been as advertised. He's the only real guy they have. I know jo- Doug talked about Jonathan Greenard. And so it's. Ah, uh, he's. God. Oh, God. I, Florida, Florida grads sticking together. I wouldn't Typical. speak of him as highly as Doug did, but I certainly Typical. wouldn't speak of him as lowly as you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, he's yeah. A, he's yeah. A, Florida's DBU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on water. Come on, come on. Give, give me give me all the shtick. Come on. I was giving you none of the shit. You gave it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, real quick, we will break. Take a break. <laughs> and then we will get to the defense all right guess 
Mike Caldwell, reigning, defending <laughs> coach of the year candidate. Yeah, coach dude. of the year candidate, bro. It, he was. Josh Taylor he, thought he was getting his name out there. He, he was talking his. He was talking his shit yesterday too, man. Like he, like basically every question he got was like you know lauding the defense and their stuff so far, and he's like, "No, oh, we haven't done good." <laughs> he's, yeah, he's like, We're one and one. Yeah, so I he's I've been very impressed by you know what he's done and honestly what they've done to fit the scheme to the personnel like. It, you go look at their tendency rates on defense from like SIS and they are, they've ran zone coverage from 65 snaps and man coverage on 12. <laughs> and that's, that, that, that's what they need to do, you know, like for the secondary that they have, you know, you don't have the horses to run with teams and man coverage all game. So they're one of the highest, you know, zone usage teams in the league and it, they're ninth and, Success rank. No, they're fourth in success rank. Wow. I, I was reading the wrong thing completely. So they've been one of the best zone defenses this year. And I think for rookie quarterbacks, zone defenses is harder to play than man defenses. I have no data to back that up. I have no empirical anything. You got me back it up. No, you're right, John. <laughs> Am I? I'm I'm like pretty positive, yes. Hell yeah. There we go. I pulled that one out of nowhere. All right, I'll put it to you this way. Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence were both way better against man as a rookie than zone, like not even close. And they're like opposite types of quarterbacks. But like, because in man, like you you can like, it's a lot easier for coaches to scheme stuff up, I think is kind of the point. And it's a lot okay. easier to just like go from read one to read two. Like, because like after your first read, like after you get off of your first read in zone, like the picture can get so muddled. So... Yeah, I think it will be good for the Jaguars to have like their zone heavy approach against CJ Stroud this week because so far the Texans' number two overall pick has looked like pretty good and pretty poised. But sometimes he'll like pat the ball a little bit too much and stay in the pocket a little bit too much because like his accuracy and poise is like already there, but his like processing speed like it's only going to be his third NFL game on Sunday. Like he's not an awesome processor yet. So if like the Jaguars are able to like continue to play really well in their zones and then like buy some time for the pass rush to get home then like i'm not too worried about cj stroud hurting the defense this week yeah no i i think he's good for a rookie quarterback while still being on a bad offense if if that makes yeah, sense. i mean like he's good but like not scary good yeah like the texans are 25th on offense and epa per play 32nd in success rate you know, you you got to drop back EPA per play. They're twenty third. You know, they're twenty seventh drop back success rate in terms of running the ball. They're twenty ninth in you know EPA and twenty ninth in success rate. So, you know, it, it's a bad offense. You know, and yeah. of course there are you know reasons for it. Their offensive line last week was left tackle Josh Jones, not a starter. Left guard Kendrick Green, who isn't Kenyon Green. And is also not a starter. Hmm. Center Jarrett Patterson, not a starter. Right guard Shaq Mason, a starter. A starter. <laughs> right tackle George Font, not a starter. So that like it seems like the Tunzel is like up in the air. He's been limited this week. But even if Tunzel plays, that's two of your five starting offensive linemen. And Tunzel's obviously, yeah, the best one. But it, 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 this feels like a week that the Jaguars, like their defensive line needs to step up to disrupt the quarterback. And if they don't, then that to me is okay. What, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> the, the injuries that the Texans have on their offensive line is definitely what gives me the most confidence for a Jaguars win or for the Jaguars to potentially cover the spread this week. Cause as fun as Shaq Griffin is replacing Derek Stingley Jr. is. Yeah. Like, I feel like a big reason that the Texans won in Jacksonville last year was like being able to just run behind that offensive line. Like Damian Pierce had an awesome game on the ground. And like <clears throat> the way that the Texans are going to be able to win this year is like kind of a similar method where like you just keep the ball a lot on offense and like slow the game down and like limit possessions, yada, yada. So like, with a decimated offensive line, that task becomes extremely difficult. And the Jaguars' defensive line was already, like, arguably outplaying themselves through two weeks of 
this season. So I'm definitely excited to see like whether they're up for the task of like I don't know beating up on the little opponent because like the mark of a really good football team sometimes is like not just beating other good teams but like beating really bad teams by a lot. So that'll be what I'm looking forward to like this week for the Jaguars versus Texans is like obviously in order to do some convincing, they have to beat the Texans by more than just three points. But then also, like, for the defensive line specifically, like, they have to do more than just, like, get a pressure too. 100%. Win, their game to win, I think. 100%. I think this has to be a Trayvon Walker week and a Rory Robinson Harris week. I think those two guys need to have a big game. And you, you look at the Jaguars' pass rush, you know, this year, the number 14th in pressure rate at 32.6% number 22nd in sack percentage at 5.4. Last year, they were number six in pressure percentage at 37%, number 28th in sack rate at 5.2%. So it's basically the same pass rush, just getting less pressure, which <laughs> is not, not you know, good, obviously. <laughs> so it definitely needs to have a get-right week this week. I mean, Josh Allen, he's been limited this week wearing a non-contact jersey. Doug Peterson keeps saying he's fine, even though I presume that he would say he's fine if he had his left arm amputated. <laughs> it, it, he, he's been by far, you know, their best pass rusher. Like before he got hurt against the Chiefs, I think he had three or four pressures and a quarterback hit that caused an interception. Like he was everywhere. Yeah. And then obviously he gets hurt, and you see the pass rush really take a dive. If you so. Either way, he's either pl not playing Tunzel, but he's limited and banged up this week, or he's going against Tunzel while being limited. Probably not, you know, a great Josh Allen week. So I, I think you need to see Trayvon, especially. You know, like I, I know he's his impact and goes beyond what any stats can show, like pressure stats or anything like that. But get, get a sack, <laughs> just do it, just do it. Something on the sheet. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, he had one. He had one. <laughs> I was just trying to back up your argument. That's right. That's right. Like uh, it, the excuses of yeah, oh, he's learning defensive end, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's been in the NFL for over a year now. Like, go get, get six pressures in a game. You know, get you know, do, do just do it. Like this is the week to do it. You know, and, and this is a week where we look back on Monday and he had one pressure, and we're talking about how his impact goes beyond like the stat sheet it would feel like it did in, like trevor's rookie year when we were like yeah the numbers are all time bad but it's good it's actually good you know and how we went into year two saying okay if we said about trevor this year then that's that's terrible that's mm -hmm. how i feel about walker's impact this year and especially this week like the, it the impact has to be more tangible this year but especially this week and if he struggles this week then i don't know yeah that's good Good point. It'll be interesting to see like who he gets matched up against the most. Like especially if Josh doesn't play or is limited, then like you would assume that Trayvon is going to be like their best mismatch weapon against like pretty much anyone on the Texans' offensive line. Yeah. Uh, like he should be able like if they had any kind of depth at all, you should be able to line him in front of Kendrick Green for fifteen to twenty Patra snaps and do what the Chiefs did last week with. Chris Jones and Anton, but they don't. <laughs> they don't, so they can't do it. Yeah. I was also going to say, like, something cool that the Chiefs did last week was, like, lining up Chris Jones and George Karloftis on the same time. Like, have we ever seen Trayvon and Josh Allen on the same side? I don't think so. Like, we I, saw, I, like, Arden Key, like, bump over and run games with Josh Allen and stuff like that, but, like, it's never been Trayvon and Josh running, like, it, games on the same side of the line. I say this every week, and I'm probably going to every week for the rest of the year. They miss Arden Key like, a lot. I like if they had Arden Key. Like, my only question for the defense would be, like, how quickly can 33 put it all together? Yeah. Hey, so quick question. Okay, so Trayvon has 117 snaps this year. Okay. Okay. How many do you think he has lined up inside? And obviously this is a little bit of a me being an ass because he does stunt inside a good bit. But how many snaps is yeah, he, he lined up inside? Total? Yeah. I'm going to say four of them have come inside. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he, has, he has as many snaps at 
slot corner as he does at right defense. <laughs> Which we're gonna move him around more. Corner. He was just at edge and like way off of the line, yeah. like lining up at thirteen technique. Yeah, so there. <laughs> He's definitely going to be using like, and that's the thing. Like, you can't even put him in like inside because what are you going to do? Put Caleb on outside. Put you see Abdullah, who's yeah, like it's it's not his fault. Like, he's a fifth round rookie, but he's still obviously a ways away. And it's it. it I, I get gaslit every time I think about their entire strategy about the the pass rush. So yeah, we we both were on the same page, like. Pastro seems to do something this week. They got to. Yeah, they got to. They got to. Who on Houston offensively, like when Houston has the ball, do you have anybody that like scares you? Yeah, I was going to ask you the same thing, especially about like their skill position players because, or about their pass catchers, or just about their receivers because like Don Schultz doesn't scare me, their tight end. And like I like a Damian Pierce, uh, but he doesn't necessarily like scare me, especially with the Texans offensive line being in the shape that they are in. So that sounded, that sounded very Italian. I like a Damien Pierce. I like a Damien Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think Nico Collins is like easily the biggest offensive threat that the Texans have. So like my thing that I'll be watching for is like how often is Tyson Campbell matched up against him because it seems like a very obvious matchup in, uh, in terms of just like both their size and their strengths. Uh, because they're strong. I mean, like their literal strength. Strength. It's just the type of receiver that Tyson has had a lot of success with in the past, like the Cortland Suttons and the Mike Williams and such of the world. Um, last year, Tyson played the majority of his snaps against Brandon Cooks, and he's no longer a Texan. So even though Nico doesn't necessarily like <clears throat> run 100% of his snaps like on the line from the X like perimeter receiver – which would make it like a lot easier for Tyson to match up with him on him a lot. Um, I would expect Tyson to see a lot of him. So, and then besides that, like, like maybe Tank Dell will do his best, like Darius Tony impression against the Jaguars, but like it's just Nico Collins to me. It, it's funny. I feel like Tyson Campbell matches up with Nico Collins much better than he matches up with Sky Moore, and Nico Collins is roughly. 80 times better of a football player in Sky About Moore. 80 to 90 times better, yeah. It, 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 it's just funny how matchups work like that. You know, like, it. It's, I'm with you. Like, Nico has 20 targets so far. So, you know, he's getting 10 targets per game, 226 yards, touchdown. Robert Woods is second in targets. He's getting – Bobby Trees. He's getting 9.5 targets per game. So, he's not getting targeted, like, that much less than yeah. Nico. He's obviously doing significantly less with set targets, but – Nonetheless, and then Tank Dell's getting seven targets per game. Dalton Schultz is getting 5.5, and then everything else, it's you know Damian Pierce and Noah Brown get the target here and there. So that, that's easily their three guys. I think, you know, it goes Nico, Woods, Tank Dell in terms of what they're trying to do on a down-to-down basis. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I wasn't a huge Tank Dell guy coming out, and it's become my new thing that I just I, – I don't dislike him as a player, but I dislike every single tweet about him. <laughs> like he th- that preseason, like he had like a slant against like 15 yard, like off coverage, and then oh, yeah, attempted to split the defenders and got tackled. And everybody was like, You need Tank Dell on your fans team. Yeah, like, he, what did he do? He didn't do anything. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure Cole Beasley in his current state could have done that. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say I could have done that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on 2 2 Atwell? Same thing. No, he's probably a bit better than I think he's better than Tank Dell. I, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's the McVeigh effect. It probably is, but yeah, he's probably the best of like him, Tony. Personally, I think Atwell being in the NFL is a lawsuit waiting to happen, and he's probably like bodily harm, like in danger every single snap he's on the field. Yeah. He he's in the Bryce Young category for me. I'm afraid for him every time I see him on TV. And, <laughs> Bryce Young's the same way. I I, I am already afraid for oh, this small man. I just like feel bad for Bryce Young because he's like he seems like he would be so good and so cool, but I don't know if he will be. It is my okay. We'll get the hot takes going. You know, 
already. Okay. Don't care. Don't care if it's two games in. The Panthers. I mean, we were talking about the Texans defense, Texans offense. So. Come on, come on, come on. The Panthers obviously took the third best rookie quarterback. Obviously. Yeah. I think. I I think even in five years, that'll be true. I've been trying to tell people for so long Anthony Richardson should have gone one. It's like he's literally Cam Newton. I think Stroud's been better. Jalen Carter? I think Stroud's been better. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, almost Stroud. I will say he like he ranks fourth in the league in passing yards right now. Like, that's probably one of the fake faker stats I've seen so far this year. Give me the volume stats, baby. <laughs> give me the volume stats. What's the ranking of attempts? Come on. The season is so weird because it's like ah, it's like it's only week two. Like these sample sizes are like too small to actually like have strong takes. But at the same time, like it's our job to have takes about the teams in the season and the league. CJ Stroud has 50% more healthy ankles than Bryce Young. Okay. <laughs> I've made up stats. <laughs> I've got a hot take for you. Deion Sanders will be an NFL head coach by 2024. Who will be? Deion Sanders. Okay, Mike Floria. Okay. Yeah, it, I, I I didn't see anything Florio said about it. Every three days, he has a Deion Sanders Willie Coach in NFL article that he tweaks ever so slightly, like just turns the dial. Just I don't a bit. follow Florio. I just I don't think Deion wants to country every once in a while. I don't I don't think Deion coach in the NFL. He he wants to recruit on Mon- like Sunday through Friday, and then vibe on Saturday. I think that, like, the only reason I didn't say 2023 is because his kid is still playing at Colorado. And, like, I don't know if he's going to, like, stick around for as long as his kid does. But, like, my thing is that even if he doesn't take an NFL coaching job, like, I'm, like, positive that he's going to get interviews in the next offseason or two. Okay. I, I got a hot take for you. Okay. Okay. Damian Pierce dies of mid. <laughs> yeah. He's mid. He's mid. He'll get what's there. He'll get what's – I don't think he's any better you than – You just eat Gators. Yes, but I don't think he's any better <laughs> – <laughs> I don't think he's any better than rookie James Robinson was skill set was. James Robinson was good. He was like a – I top. think he's significantly worse than rookie James. Uh, what, what would you say Pierce is? Top 15. Like, I think he's like between – like. Bro, there's not that many like – there's not that many good running backs. Like, who's starting for the Bucks? Like, I do like a Rashad White actually, but like he's not that good. Give, give me a second. Give me a second. We're okay. gonna we're, we're gonna do this. We're gonna. I get okay. He's 40th in the league in rushing yards right now. By the way, um, who Pierce? So we're, yeah, so we're gonna go all 39 players in front of him who are running backs, and you tell me who you'd rather no, have. I just said this, John. It's only week two. We can't be okay. doing this. This is insane. Christian McCaffrey or Damian Pierce? We're... Answer the question. Okay, so that's one. Do this 39 times. Bijan Robinson or Damian Pierce? I'm putting my foot down. What's okay. your? Just tell me your hot take. Like you can't say Damian Pierce is mid. Like I don't think Damian Pierce is a top 20 running back in the NFL. Okay, so you want to say he'll finish outside the top 20 in rushing yards this season? He is Zach Moss with stands. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's so difficult. Okay, I'll go. Damian Pierce finishes outside the top 15 in – I'm trying to think of a good, like, rushing metric. I'd say rushing DVOA, but – that that's like got nuked. <laughs> right. Yeah, yards per carry obviously isn't great, and you hate <laughs> yards over expected. <laughs> no, okay, let's do rushing yards over expected. I'll, I'll 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 give you an olive branch. I'll give you. I would rather branch. do. I'll put rushing yards and rushing yards over expected. Okay, I don't think he finishes top fifteen either. Okay. Put it on we'll, the board. We'll, we'll see if he finishes in at least one. But okay, if he finishes. Top 15 and only rushing yards over expected doesn't count when I win. <laughs> he looks so tired. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That feels like a good. Yeah. I got, I've got one other hot take. Let's hear it. 
this is the most confident I've felt about the Jaguars' chances to win a Super Bowl in my lifetime at this current moment. Like today? Yeah. Well, this week. Were you asleep last week? No, I'm well, I feel more confident this week than last week. And granted, this is like this is like post 2007 because I was eight when they went to the playoffs in 2007. So I didn't really like I wasn't thinking about like their Super Bowl chances that much. You were eight when they won in 2017. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my thing. I'm saying like I have more confidence in them winning the Super Bowl right now after the Chiefs loss than when they were getting ready to go to Foxborough. Wow. So you you didn't have more confidence like five minutes before the kickoff of week one than you do right now? No, and it's because as gross and ridiculous and offensive as the offense is looking, like we talked about it more on the Tuesday or the Wednesday this week podcast where like it's it's things that like we could see getting fixed. And like I didn't know if the defense could get fixed, but like Mike okay. Godwell is just that guy. And so like I just have okay. – a lot more confidence in the defense two weeks into the season than I like ever thought I would Same. like, I, I don't even think that like this version of the Jaguars can win the Super Bowl this year. Like I think they would either have to like have a considerable amount of luck, which any team that wins the Super Bowl kind of needs anyway, or they would need to like make some kind of like trade deadline deal to like, kind of like bring in like, their version of like the Rams adding Von Miller at the trade deadline kind of. Uh but like <clears throat> like Mike Godwell just like I think has the goods and like limiting Patrick Mahomes to the game that he has, like I have a lot more confidence in like the Jaguars defense being able to hold up in like the playoffs against really good quarterbacks. Assuming that the like defense stays healthy and like we don't have to get into all the like depth concerns. But yeah, like I I feel really good, just better about the defense than I've ever felt, or at least since 2017. And then I feel good enough about the offense where, like, just like I genuinely feel like they're like, could be like a list at the bottom of like the contenders to win a Super Bowl, where I don't know if I ever really felt that way before. Oh, I can see that. That's not a bad take. Because, like, in 2017, it's like I was, it was like kind of scary to like think. Uh, more than one game ahead because you didn't want to like self jinx the team or something like that. Yeah, that was my, <laughs> my mindset at least. But also like, like they had Blaine or not Blaine Gabbert. They had Blake Bortles. <laughs> like you're I, right I, the first time. I never had like a lot of trust in that team or a lot of faith in that team to like win it all. I was just like kind of enjoying the ride while it happened. I uh, I saw. So I don't know how I got retweeted, but again, Steven Ruiz, a uh, friend of the yes. show, his, I don't know. Is it not Ruiz? Yeah. How, what, what, what is it? You said Steven Ruiz. <laughs> I have trouble with my R's. I went to speech therapy my entire elementary school years, and here you are. Here you are discriminating. Hosting a podcast. <laughs> none, none, nonetheless, nonetheless, <laughs> his yakety sacks video of Blake Bortles versus the Chiefs in 2018 got <laughs> like this this past week. Yeah, and I'm like, this was an NFL quarterback, man. That's that's incredible. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think that's a bad take. I won't I won't be as cruel to you as I as I thought or as. Uh... Yeah, I, there's not really a way to like measure that in the future too. But I guess like just the point that I'm trying to make is that like I'm really impressed by Mike Caldwell, and I'm not. Yeah. I'm not overly worried about Press Taylor. Yeah. That, that's, that's good takeage, guys. That's good takeage. Uh, thank you. You want to do some prize picks predictions before we get out of here? After we take a break real quick. Mm. All right, guys. Prize picks and predictions before we get out of here. Why don't you uh, kick us off? So I like Tank Bigsby this week. Okay. The thing about it is, I don't see his, like, I don't see odds or lines for his, like, rushing yards or anything. Exactly. Yeah, on prize picks. <laughs> Looking right now to see if it's, like, on DraftKings, so I can at least, like, say a number. So, give me five seconds. Oh, rushing receiving props. And Tank Bigsby is not listed. Okay, so Tank Bigsby to score a touchdown, you can get on DraftKings at, like, plus 280. Um, okay. He's not listed on prize picks either. Like Calvin Ridley is 
probably like my best bet. Like I've bet on him like three times in a row, or at least each of the past two weeks, I've like listed him in my best prop player prop bets article on Big Cat Country. Um, and I just feel like this is like the last time to buy low on Calvin Ridley. So like if you're yeah. listening to this and you're in a fantasy league and you didn't draft him, like now's your last chance to like send a trade and try to get him because again, like he's got Shaq Griffin in the Texans secondary on deck this week. I think it'll be we've we've seen like one or two like deep plays between Lawrence and Ridley, but they've been like twenty or thirty yarders. I, I kind of like Ridley longest reception over like whatever that one is on DraftKings too. Like I think there'll be like one like really big hookup between Lawrence and Ridley and he'll have a good good game. Okay. You, you ready for my lock of the week? Lock of the week, yeah. Lock of the week. <laughs> Brandon McManus over one and a half field oh, goal. I knew you were going to say this. There's like three Jaguars players listed. So, of course, you go with Brandon McManus. Lock- Brandon McManus is going to kick like four field goals this weekend. That is lock of the week. I need to make sure my prediction also has that, has that with multiple field goals. Also, I like Travis Etienne, 22 and a half rushing yards in the first five attempts. Ooh. Yeah. I, that's tough, that man. Yeah, that's prize picks. I, 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 I think I'll go over there. I think he'll get an explosive run here and there. Over 22 and a half rushing yards in his first five attempts. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, me too. And then, let's see, Trevor, it was 268.5 passing plus rushing yards. I like the over on that. You think he might tuck it a little bit more this week? On the red zone, but yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do think like the nature of like their defense, if it's like the throw like isn't there, like just the zone, like you could see him, especially if they have quick edge pressure, because like just the technique that they play wide nine, it kind of naturally leaves like a scramble lane. Uh, that's a good point because I was thinking like usually man defenses are much more susceptible to like quarterback scrambles than zone defenses because in when zone, like all the defenders yeah. are looking at the quarterback and man, all the defenders are like chasing their guy. Uh, but it's a good point about the wide nine. Cause that does like kind of create some rushing lanes. So I like that. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, guess. Send us home. Who you got win this week? I, I can presume, but go ahead and give me a score. Oh, I haven't thought about a score prediction. Jaguars. I, I, I think so. Okay. What was yours? Jaguars 27, Texans 23. Jags 27, Texans 23. Mm-hmm. All right, you know, I said the Jags are going to score 40 as a hot take on Wednesday, so I might as well just go all in. I'll say Jaguars 40, Texans 10. <laughs> Damn. Sorry, I, I already had the cough, and then they fuck cough worse. <laughs> I just figure, like, if the Jags are going to score 40 points, like, how often are the Texans even going to, like, have the ball? Yeah. Or get on their side of the field or whatever. So, I don't know. That's obviously 30 – expecting a 30-point win is a lot. But uh, I'm, I'm expecting a big jet bounce back from the Jaguars. And if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. And we can freak out about it next week. But I think they'll have a – a good performance this week for the record pretty much every game i'm picking the rest of the year is going to be close uh, 75 percent of the nfl games so far have been one score games in the fourth quarter so this one won't be 30 points <laughs> there we go okay put it on the board man. all right it's written down we'll we'll be laughing about it next week i promise you that all right well guess i'll see you in the press box my friend sounds good buddy all right thank you guys for joining us we'll be back next week reviewing a 40 to 10 Jaguars win, evidently. <laughs> <laughs>